The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen. It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 199, brought to you by the five folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Nine Year- Wow, Mr. Nine Years, Mr. Ten Years Street. Thank you. Without a bad day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, this is more like a, um, I guess we're going to call it a uh, Kiston Solak addendum. Like a, It's going to be a, a little bit of a shorter preview show. It's been a lot of issues going on that you, gentle listener, don't need to hear about as far as some technical things and some <laughs> timing things. And it's been a fun day for your boy. But Ben, how you doing, man? Um, well, man, every day is a good day to be alive. Usually I'm in a peachier mood than you are. And this week it's actually justified. <laughs> That's correct. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through our Steelers-Eagles preview. We'll hit both sides of the ball. Like I said, apologies for the shorter show. Things just kind of got in the way. But I think like you start out with, with the Eagles offense. We might as well we might as well go there. I, I think the obvious thing that we're going to talk about is the defensive line of the Steelers against the Eagles. But first, like a major key for me, uh, the Eagles are second in turnover frequency. Like they need to take care of the ball this game. And and part of that for me is like, and, and it's not directly connected, but getting more route combinations working and Wentz going through his progressions on them quickly to where the ball comes out. And I, and I, and when I say that, I don't mean like all long developing three level stuff and like these, you know, complicated route concepts. You can have quick rub routes designed to pick guys, get the ball out fast too. And I thought they did some of that last week to a degree, but with this carousel at wide receiver now, and now it's second tight end as well, trusting guys to work in conjunction with each other with their route adjustments as well, their side adjustments, having all that work together, like a carefully orchestrated ballet is tough when you know you're, you're Wentz and you look to your left and no shade intended here, but you look to your left and you see Travis Fulgham and you look to your right and you see either Deontay Burnett or J.J. Ortega-Whiteside or some other guy you just pulled up off the street or Dick Rod. Like, isolation routes are not going to win the day with those guys, but they had that struggle to separate. But, like, they can win via scheme, but that comes with a level of execution that the Eagles haven't really achieved 
at any position, you know, coherent with each other at, at any point this season. So mm-hmm. uh, finally for Wentz here, two-handed monster going back to the turnovers here, two-handed monster in the pocket, throw it away if it's not there. Like this is broken record stuff, but don't make it harder than it is because the difficulty level in this game is already ratcheted up to a thousand right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think that when you consider the biggest fulcrum for the Eagles win over the Niners, turnovers was it. The Eagles only had one mm-hmm. huge win <laughs> to have just one turnover. Go team. Correct, yeah. Uh, and then obviously the Niners ended up having three picks. Something pick. like that. Was that a fumble as well? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cravon LeBlanc. That's your big win, right? That That's your huge, like I said, fulcrum for that matchup. Otherwise, both offenses struggled a little bit, right? And both defenses got pressure, created havoc. Fairly even matchup. The Eagles got the short fields and were able to turn points out of that. So big win for them. When you look at what you expect against the Steelers, the Steelers were one of the best teams last year in generating turnovers. This year, they've been, while not one of the top teams generating turnovers the way they were last year, they've still been among the best and also are creating the same amount of havoc. Mm -hmm. No team is blitzing more than the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. No team has a higher blitz rate. And also, no team has a higher pressure rate on blitzes, I think. So not only are they blitzing at the highest degree, but they're also the most successful team blitzing when they blitz, which is a lot. All of this to say, against the 49ers, it was... Jack Driscoll surviving against Eric Armstead, something that he did surprisingly well for me in the first half at right tackle. Mm-hmm. It was Jordan Mailata hanging on with Kerry Hyder. Right? It was dealing with, with four-man rushes on early downs, surviving some games, surviving. And then they would get to third and long, third and eight, third and nine. The Niners would start sending four, five-man five, man simulated pressures. And the Eagles offensive line really struggled. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Niners had their most success blitzing to the left side or to the right side of the Eagles line excuse me especially in that first half with Driscoll in there but the guy to key is Matt Pryor Pryor's not playing well Pryor's struggling in pass protection a lot uh and putting him in contrast with Nate Herbig who is holding his own out there against one-to-one rushes but also against pressures it makes it even more stark kind of why Herbig was able to win that starting job before week one starting job we say uh and then you know what it was exactly about Pryor that had Eagles brass a little bit tepid on getting him in there. He just is so top heavy. He's so in front of his hands. He does not <laughs> gain depth. And so it, it, when you flash color at him, have guys crossing across his face horizontally, moving between gaps, coming late to him, he just loses his balance. He gets forced to recovery. He's it, it's not what you want pocket depth wise. It's not pocket integrity wise. Talking about maintaining levels, it's just not where he's he's the strongest. So you should expect significant blitzes from the Steelers you should expect a focus on getting the slide protection away from Pryor Mm -hmm. so as to leave Pryor and either an injured Lane Johnson or Jack Driscoll on islands on the right side of the line and then hopefully sending a third rusher that way to either force the issue with Miles Sanders who was actually fairly solid in pass protection against the Niners he had a a blown protection on Wentz's third and eight scramble but besides that was was fairly solid uh so so they're gonna try to slide Kelsey left get pressure on the right side of that Eagles line, and that's where they're going to be able to generate that havoc. Wentz absolutely has to hold on to the football in the pocket. Love the playmaking. San Francisco playmaking was as good as it's been this year. It was nice to see, reminiscent of some earlier days, Wentz. He looks like he's a little bit springier. I don't know if he's lost some weight, getting into shape, conditioning, whatever it is, but he looks a little springier. Great to see. If you want to keep doing that against the Steelers, you have to be able to get out of the pocket successfully, which means you cannot leave the football there 
which is typically mm-hmm. how it goes with Wentz. He's <laughs> on his way either trying to get out of the pocket or trying to make a throw. And that's where the the fumble comes, right? right. Wentz's fumbling issues are not because are not solely because he's like in the pocket, totally agnostic of pressure, holding the ball with one hand. It's because he's mm-hmm. like, I can break this tackle, and then he can't. And then all of a sudden, the ball is away from his frame, and that's where the issue comes. So we've got to hold that football if you're going to try to escape. Yeah, Ben, this will come as uh, no surprise to you, but PFF has the Eagles' offensive line at the biggest disadvantage of the entire slate of the Week 5 games. And I, and I mean, talking about the personnel now, Bud Dupree is going to line up against Jordan Mailata. TJ Watt's going to line up against uh, a banged-up Lane Johnson or Jack Driscoll. Watt is questionable. That, that's true. That's true. But still, even if he, he even if he does play, it's, what, right. 80% Watt against 50% And if it's Lane. not Watt, it's Alex Highsmith. And guess what? Alex Highsmith's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. They got crazy depth, man. Then, like, then you look on the inside. Cameron Hayward, Stephon Tuitt, even, like, Tyson Alualu. They are all playing like studs. Like... This defensive line lost Javon Hargrave, who played at an incredibly high level for them last year, and it is still hands down the best defensive line in the league. And like you were kind of mentioning, not only do you have to deal with them, but this offensive line is not only got to win some tough one-on-one matchups, but they're going to have to be mentally sharp when it comes to blitz pickups, when it comes to mm-hmm. stunt recognition, because Blitzberg is back there sending wave after wave. They throw the stunts at you. First two weeks, I think their blitz rate was something like 67 and 61% respectively. I had a tweet in my bookmarks that showed their blitz rate, and I cannot find it, which goes <laughs> to show you I bookmark way too many things, and I'm just <laughs> scrolling through, and I don't know where it is maybe i missed it either way they're getting pressure on half their defensive snaps ben half crazy ludicrous amount a ludicrous amount of success blitzing mike hill in the nickel is one fantastic aha i found it Um, there we go yes the steelers blitz rate according to espn stats was 52.5 percent (laughs) so if you think about half of the plays and then think about more of that then that's what you would get blitzing-wise. And their pass rush win rate was 60%. <laughs> it Goodness. was the best in the league. Um, so they are blitzing extremely successfully. Mike Hilton, the nickel, tremendous blitzer. Uh, when Devin Bush comes from depth, he's really good. Who's the other Vince linebacker whose name I'm forgetting? Vince Williams. Vince Williams, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. guy. This all matters. Now, an important note specifically for the Eagles matchup against the Steelers when it comes to blitzing. You say, okay, they're going to blitz, so you have to be able to throw hot. Yes and no. The Eagles are really struggling right now to open up against man coverage, uh, which the Steelers would prefer to play behind blitzing. Some, blitzes. Sometimes the Steelers main zone, and that's often when they don't feel like they can sit in man coverage. Joe Hayden and Steven Nelson is a pretty solid depth chart in terms of what you've got at corner, but it's not great. And, up, and Steven Nelson particularly isn't playing as well this year as he was playing last year. So they'll be able to sit in man cover because the Eagles have Travis Fulgham, Deontay Burnett, and Greg Ward instead of actual wide receivers. And when you watch the the film against San Francisco, the Eagles, uh, Jalen Rager and Deshaun Jackson, were leading the league in cushion at the snap per next-gen stats through the first two weeks of the season. And then they were both lost to injury. All of a sudden, ain't no more cushion being given to Travis Fulgham. No cushion for Deontay Burnett and Greg Ward. What this means is you can play man cover. The Niners... Defensive backs were extremely physical. The linebackers were extremely physical with Zach Ertz off the line of scrimmage because they knew that if they could blitz and take away the first read, one, Carson struggling to get beyond his first read to his check down, and two, with that young offensive line, with Miles Sanders, who's getting better at pass protection but still isn't perfect, blitzing compromises pocket depth and pocket integrity. And so not sometimes you get fumbles from Carson Wentz. Sometimes you get sacks. But oftentimes you get panic whenever his pocket isn't perfect. And when you get panic, you get throws that you shouldn't make. 
You get uh, attempts into double coverage. The, the the interception for the Niners was Wentz panicking in what was a sound but structurally shaky pocket, right? Yeah. Like, you know, Eric Armstead put Jack Driscoll on his lap, but Carson Wentz had to move his feet, and he had the extra second to make the throw to an open Greg Ward. Right. He didn't take it. Uh, he, he, he turned his back, turned around, moved around, found Greg Ward late, chucked it to him, got hit, and then it gets picked off. So blitzing not only gives you the opportunity for sacks and fumbles, but it's going to put guards behind tackles it's going to pull jason kelsey further from the the pivot point from the 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 peak of the pocket it's going to make the pocket look muddy and right now carson wentz is panicking in those pockets even when he is safe and that's going to give you the opportunity to make plays on the ball when he makes aaron throws down the field and and look just like how the eagles got after nick mullins which by the way their pressure rate on nick mullins 54.8 percent was the highest in week four we we saw what it did to that offense and to that quarterback it was a game record for them the very same thing could happen for this matchup with the Steelers' defensive line against the Eagles' offensive line, especially when they bring the blitz. And, like, I don't even know if you can call this a huge test for the defensive or for the offensive line for the Eagles. I really don't care, man. You just have to survive with everything that you have. Just hang on and just do not let this team destroy. Pressure's going to get, pressure's going to come, pressure's going to get there. It's on the offensive line to not allow that to happen literally every other play. And it's on Carson Wentz to manage it and make good decisions and now put the ball on the turf. All right, so when we come back here on the Kiston Solak Show, we're going to flip sides. We'll talk about the Steelers' offense up against the Eagles' defense. That's coming up next, right after this. And we're back here on the Kist and Solak Show, episode 199, SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, bringing it to you, Michael Kist, here with Benjamin Solak. So, Ben, like I said, we're going to switch sides. We're going to go Steelers' offense, Eagles' defense, and some basic stats and analytics on the Steelers' offense as we preview them. Uh, 18th overall, DVOA per football outsiders. Uh, their passing game has been their most efficient mode of attack. Pretty average across the board for this team with third down, red zone, scoring drive frequency, etc., which is honestly like a big boost for them over last year with the musical chair at, at quarterback, but still probably a little under expectation for the season. Uh, ben, general observations about the Steelers offense here. I saw a lot of motion on their film, which I'm not accustomed to with the Steelers. Perhaps that's the influence of Matt Canada, the new quarterbacks coach there in Pittsburgh. Uh, but you're going to get a lot of eye candy uh, in this offense and currently sixth in the league in terms of using using motion at the snap. So that's a new wrinkle for them. You're also going to get a lot of linemen on the hoof in the run game, guys pulling across the formation. Same for the tight ends, paired with a with a wide receiver screaming across the formation uh, during the snap, plus the use of a fullback on leads and counters and the like. Like the Eagles are going to see more downhill gap concepts from the Steelers than they've seen all year when you think about who they've played to this point. Exactly. They'll also have to hold up at the point of the attack when the Steelers go six linemen to tight ends which they've done a ton so far this season, and they'll pass from it too, so it's not like an obvious tip-off for them. With this passing attack, I I think they're a bit of a sleeping giant. Uh, Only three throws connected over 20 yards in the air for Big Ben so far this season, and he's been fairly inaccurate in that regard as he works back into the offense, but I can see those fortunes regressing to the mean right as early as this week. Uh, One positive for the Eagles who have been torched by play action this year unless it was with Nick Mullins, uh, the Steelers play it pretty straight up. They're 33rd, well, Ben Roethlisberger is, 33rd to 34 in terms of play-action frequency for Big Ben. Uh, From what I watched, it it looked like they were very interested in getting the ball out quickly. That shows up in Ben's time to throw as well. Per PFF, an average time to throw of 2.28 seconds. That's third 
fastest in the league. So I think when you really look at why this offense is just average and like not very good, I think it goes back to them not connecting on the deep ball. And right now they aren't getting big time yards after the catch from anybody to make this quick game offense really threatening. This is this is setting up for a game like uh, all this to say it's setting up for a game where at the end of it, we're saying, where did the pass rush go? But ultimately, you know, the defense wasn't really hurt with shot plays, hopefully. So it's just a matter of avoiding death by a thousand cuts. But Ben, how many times have we said that? on this pod before with this defense right it, it's worrisome it's funny to say this is a, a game where you are worried about it being one where we look back on it we say where did the pass rush go i half agree with you i agree with you in the sense of quick game gonna not neutralize the pass rush yeah i do think that you've got a quarterback in roethlisberger who still thinks he can hang in the pocket like he could in 2008 and, and yeah he, he can't so that's one and two i also do think that you have some advantages especially on the interior rush. Uh, Definitely. Ke- yeah, Kevin Dodson uh, out of Louisiana Lafayette, fourth-round rookie, been playing well. Very top-heavy dude, not dissimilar to Matt Pryor. He's been hanging his own in there, but those are the sort of guys that Fletch eats on that quick little swim move. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a, a prototype that he's beaten for the course of his career. Matt Feeler, who's left guard for them, reminds me of like 2018 Sayamalu, right? Like he's like fine, but it's not anything that's particularly impressive. Malik mm. Jackson's been playing outside of his mind man yes. i mean we haven't yes. really taken a moment to just be like malik um because obviously he gets signed in 2019 loses the entire season and then the eagles add javon hargrave so nobody's really like woo malik jackson he's <laughs> playing so well so well he's yeah. so healthy and he's doing a great job from the interior as well they 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 put him as like a base end against a lot of the wide services for san fran they won't do that as much i think against the the steelers except for against maybe the six offensive line surfaces but he's been dominating uh yeah. as an interior rusher and so i think the eagles have got a decent advantage on the inside. Marquis Palazzi also isn't a spring chicken anymore, man. He's a 10-year vet. Um, so I think there's a good look at interior pressure wins. I do not think the edges are going to have the same day they used to. Alejandro Villanueva and Chukumo Okorafor is a pretty good Solid. tackle duo. Yeah, Okorafor, I think it's come along nicely the last couple of years. Um, Obviously, yeah. you know, Graham, Sweat, Barnett, they can all get wins. Um, But I think you're going to see a, a quality interior rush that's going to matter a lot, especially not only in the passing game, but when we talk about the running game as well, because they want to come downhill. They want to be thick to doubles. You know, they want to really move interior guys. Big Javon Hargrave game in the running game to be able yes. to, to pile up stuff in there and let your linebackers play free and fast. So I, I think there is an advantage on the interior for the Eagles defensive tackles who are playing great football the last two weeks to affect even the quick passing game by spilling the pocket, creating muddy platforms, so on and so forth. I will say this, to to your point, I, I agree that it should be a big win game for the defensive line if you if Ben doesn't hold on to it. You know, if Ben holds on to it for more than like 2.4 seconds, I 100% agree with you. And I kind of alluded to one of those points too. The Eagles have had issues getting pressure against play action because it forces you to move lateral, right? It changes those launch points. It's not so static. Ben... We kind of know where he's going to be in the pocket. We kind of know where we can attack him. They don't really move his launch points as much. So it's going to be easier for the defensive line to go and get him as opposed to like we saw with Jared Goff where 60% of the time this guy could, this guy is in a different spot uh, per snap. So I I do agree with you there. And I do think is definitely an advantage, a big Hargrave game for me. I think Malik Jackson should be able to eat, you know, uh, along the defensive line. What about, what about the Steelers playmakers that, you know, this, this passing game is trying to get rolling for them. Their their big first target is, is 
Deontay Johnson leads them in targets. Obviously, Juju Smith-Schuster is the big name there. Uh, James Washington being the uh, the third guy, uh, I think was one of our bigger uh, ever draft fights. Like he's no DJ Chark, you know. But I don't want to revisit all of Ben's bad uh, draft takes and uh, and our arguments. But uh, Washington, Juju, who I still think is better from the slot rather than the outside, and Deontay Johnson. Which guy scares you? Because I think if it's Slay on Juju, Slay is locking that up all the time. It's when they move Juju into the slot that I worry about him, and I worry about Deontay's quickness on the outside. Yeah, Nickel Robbie Coleman played another bad game on yeah. Sunday night. They they had three slots in Cravon, Roby Coleman, and Avante, and now they've got one in Cravon, uh, which is not how this was supposed to go. Right. So you can have Slay mirror Juju if you want, but given depth of target and rat running ability, right. if I'm mirroring anybody, it's Deontay Johnson, which may be mm-hmm. extremely disrespectful. They like Juju, uh, you know, shallow cross. They like him, yep. you know, yak third and six. They like him, you know, near red zone. I'm break a tackler too, quick stuff. But it's Johnson who like push comes yes. to shove when they want a matchup win. That's who they go to, him or Claypool. In mm-hmm. the event that the guy covering Claypool is anywhere less than, you know, anywhere short of the six foot. They're like, yeah, we, we like this matchup. If it was a Vontae yeah. Maddox, they would say, Claypool yeah, Claypool gets Claypool. one ridiculous downfield target a game. Uh, yep. and it's pretty funny. Yeah. So yeah, I I think that you would want Slay mirroring Johnson. My guess is that they won't mirror to start, and then if there's a matchup that the Steelers are hammering, then they'll go to it. That would hmm. be my prediction. That's my 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 read on how I would probably play it, classifying going in. So I think you're you're worried about quick game breakers from both Deontay and Juju. If they're really hammering Deontay intermediate, he's so good at that like deep curl, deep comeback, deep dig route tree. Um, then you can start giving him slight long-term. The Steelers want those isolation matchups and then they go heavy surface and then they, they work to get outside to those guys. And so you're going to have to win a man cover with your number two corner, no matter who it is, right? Like Slay can only cover one of them. And if, I mean, as we're projecting Jalen Mills, given what we saw in the uh, the Niners game, is your corner two over Johnson or against Juju, that's plus for the Steelers both ways. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So once like corner two is going to be your big deal. The Niners weren't really able to take advantage of that because they just could not get targets to their wide receivers quickly enough. And, and that was weird. I thought they'd do a better job of it. The Steelers are definitely better built to doing that. The other thing that's going to be interesting to watch is against the Niners, 22 personnel, 21 personnel, you check up on the line. When they got those really heavy surfaces, they were pushing a Sam linebacker close to the line of scrimmage, like one yard off, two yard off. So they were they were reducing his depth. Nate, Gary, Alex Singleton, they did it with both of them. That's why Jannard Avery started getting on the field. So if anybody was like super stoked for, you know, round two of Jannard Avery, I don't think it's coming anytime soon. Hate to break it to you. Um, but Jannard Avery, they liked him because he could stand up two, you know, two point stance over Kittle. They put him as stand up Sam over Kittle, over Dwelly, over Yushik when they were on the line of scrimmage. And then he would bop somebody on his way to rush. And then occasionally they, they darted him inside. He was very productive rushing the passer, but it seemed like his usage was defined by that surface. Mm-hmm. I will be curious if they kick the tires on that again against Ebron and McDonald when the, the Steelers choose to go 21 personnel. 12 or excuse me 12 personnel sometimes they go 22 personnel and get Derek Watt in there but that's that's fairly infrequent if they really liked what they got out of Avery and Singleton both of them had good games then that stand-up Sam roll that reduced off-ball Sam roll which was Singleton was filling the stand-up Sam was gear was Jaron Avery we could see that return 
I'm just not sure they view Ebron and McDonald, McDonald as an equivalent threat to Kittle, such that they constantly right. want to bump him off the line. Uh, and also, you're not really getting as much outside zone either. You're not really as worried about having mm-hmm. that strong edge either, reducing those guys. So I'm very interested to see how they play that because that was a pitch we haven't seen Schwartz throw. To me, that was custom built for Shanahan, custom built for that that mm. very strong two tight end, one fullback look. I don't think we'll see it again, but it's something to track, especially if you're an Avery or Singleton you know, truther here. That's how they're going to get on the field is if the Eagles keep using that package. So let's go to the DraftKings Sportsbook for our official predictions for this game. Right now, the Eagles are underdogs. Seven and a half points is the uh, is the line. There's Nugget in the background. 44 and a half for the over-under. So that puts the score right around like 26-19 is what Vegas is saying it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben, what, what, what's your final score prediction here? So we got a shorter show. We might as well just get to the get to the nitty-gritty and say win or lose and your score. Yeah, so it's interesting. I look at it and I go, all right, Steelers minus seven and a half. I, I'll take it. I don't have a in- really big increase in faith in this Eagles team, even after the Niners win. The Steelers have been 26 points against the Giants, 26 points against the Broncos, 28 points against the Texans. This is a fairly strong, high 20s point team. Eagles defense arguably going to be the worst one they face. So obviously the pass rush is really, really good. And that could be the tipping point. Eagles scoring 20. I mean, they only had 18 offensive points against that Niners defense. Steelers defense is so much better. Uh, so I, I do think the Steelers are going to cover it. I think the Steelers are, are, are well equipped. This is an undefeated team on a bye week. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it, it's going to be a difficult ask for the Eagles to step up and be able to, to put forth back-to-back gutty performances I think Steelers went like 28-13, 28-16 would, would, would be my guess. The, the only way the Eagles win this, and it's, you know, obviously the obvious part, big pass rush, defense tackles got to win a lot. They got to move turnovers. down off the spot, get turnovers, right, so on and so forth. But the other thing is that the, uh, the Eagles ran a very heavy, you know, misdirection, play action, boot, a ton of horizontal stretch stuff against the Niners, which is something they're really trying to get moving here, kind of get the gears turning. And the Niners' defensive ends played slow. They played contain, and they they the the, the linebackers were quick to read play action and, and take away the flood concepts. The Steelers' defense does not play that way. Their li- <laughs> their edges are very fast to close. Their yes. linebackers are very fast to run, uh, yeah. and they constantly blitz as well. So if you can key in on blitz tendency, if you can ID blitzes, which the Eagles, for all of their offensive line issues, have been doing really well against the against the Niners and even back to you know the, the Bengals and the Rams games. If you can do that, you can get your horizontal stretches, and that's going to give you some easier plays and also give you some explosive plays. So key in on the Eagles' play action under center game, key in on their throwback screen game, all that stuff they were trying to get going against the Niners. That's really important on offense, and then interior pass rush is the name of the game on defense. I, I think an Eagles win looks like uh, Big Ben under constant harassment, having to hold on to the ball, trying to play hero ball, trying to, you know, old habits die hard kind of thing i mentioned is time to release but if, if you get him to hold on to the ball a little bit maybe you can get some turnovers put your offense in in some advantageous situations i don't think the steelers is the most explosive offense so that's to me is what a win looks like obviously on offense you cannot turn the ball over uh so that's that's a that's a big key for me is that turnover differential i'm still going to go 23 to 10 like the the steelers play such good team defense uh they've got such a a, a vicious pass rush uh, I don't think the Eagles are going to be able to move the ball much at all against this team, and with good reason. I mean, they don't have many weapons uh, at all, and their their offensive line is is banged up to all heck. And uh, the Steelers are a good football team, like you mentioned, coming off a bye. You know, they're fresh, they're ready to go, and they've been they've been prepping for this. So 
I got the Steelers going, and look, I'm 99% sure that the Steelers win. I am 100% sure that I will talk some mess in the reaction show if the Eagles win. Well, that's how right. I'm feeling. <laughs> I am. Um, I'm. I'm flying down to El Paso this week, uh, where my yeah. sister lives, to watch to hang out with her for a week. Uh, but also, she's a huge Steelers fan, and I I <laughs> willingly signed up for this. Oh boy! Watch this game of the Steelers fan thing. My dad's also a big Steelers fan, so. If we could get, you know, something here, it would be nice for yeah. my dignity and whatnot. Yeah, I'd love to be wrong. All right, Ben, that is going to do it for the Kiston Solak Show, previewing the Eagles against the Steelers this Sunday. Ben, would you say goodbye to the gentle, gentle listeners? Thank you, as always, for listening to the Kiston Solak Show addendum. Quick one. This is our <laughs> thoughts. Here they are. If you have any more questions, feel free to hit us up on Twitter. But right now, we can't do anything more than this show. <laughs> Kiss and Solak on the BGN Radio podcast feed. Uh, if you enjoy the show and enjoy any of our shows, please rate, review, and subscribe however you listen to your podcast on whichever app you listen to your podcast. He's been Michael Kist on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Eagle Steelers, 1 p.m. Eastern. CBS? I think so. Right? Yay, I love CBS. Sure. Uh, Why not? Could be. It'd be nice. Uh, yeah, watch the game. We'll talk about it afterward. It's going to be fun. We all we got. We all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly. B-G-N.